Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about 2004's Collateral, which means I am joined by the gray wolf himself, Adam Risky. It takes a man to portray L.A. as it should at night. Collateral. I'm Michael Mann. Digital video. (laughs) Michael Mann presents Collateral. Uh, He is testing out new filmmaking techniques, (laughs) and it is up for us to decide. (laughs) Um, Is this... I mean, this isn't peak Michael Mann digital video because obviously that's Miami Vice. But like, mm. is Public Enemies where it breaks, or is Black Hat where it breaks? Uh, I mean, it definitely had broken for me by the time Black Hat came out. Okay. I think that the problem with it is the gains that he has from shooting digitally on or on HD video or whatever it is on um, collateral and on Miami vice are completely wrong for public enemies. Yes. Agreed. Um, Because with collateral and with my more so collateral, I think than Miami vice even um, it's sort of, you know, it lends a realism to the movie which I think works to the movie's benefit in a lot of ways because it makes it more upsetting because it feels less like you're watching a movie and it feels like these awful things are happening in this guy's real life. Um, But Public Enemies is like historical record at this point and it needs to look like lush and it shouldn't look like the way that it does, like hyper-realistic because it basically just looks like you're playing costume acting at that point. Right. So I don't know. I think it works kind of for Black Hat too, in a weird way. But I'm not a fan of his digital filmmaking aesthetic, so to speak. Really. No, I like him shooting on film better. Although yeah. I will say, like he went back to film for Ferrari, and I don't think it made that movie a whole lot better. I wanted to like Ferrari more than I did. Maybe it will grow in my estimation with time, the way mm-hmm. a few other Michael Mann movies have. But yeah. Uh, is Public Enemies his worst movie? I think it's my least favorite. I haven't seen all of them, but it's my second least favorite or least favorite. It's either that or Ali. Interesting. I forgot you hate Ali. I do hate Ali. I think it has <laughs> I think the Will Smith performance is pretty good. Yeah. But he's all like, I'm, yeah, I'm Muhammad Ali, you dirty rat. That's public enemies. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was in public enemies. He was like, you gotta know what a crumpet is if you're gonna play cricket. It was like a herald in improv where he's walking out of the theater just as Dillinger gets shot. <laughs> I wish somebody accidentally shot him thinking it was Dillinger. Ninja Turtle assassinated. See, that would make me sad because he had that heart-to-heart with Splinter about, like, his inner turmoil. And then if it <laughs> ended with him getting dropped on the sidewalk, I would feel it would be, like, almost too tragic. It would be like, did you check that door for heat tragic? <laughs> I don't need any Burt Gedricks in my turtles. R.I.P. Gedrick. 
Yeah, Raphael gives good Gedrick. <laughs> Is this show already off the rails? Um, oh, it was completely off the rails by the time I said collateral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was partially my fault. Um, <laughs> To answer your question, the, the problem yeah. with Ali for me is that this is a show about collateral. The problem <laughs> with Ali for me is I had seen and loved When We Were Kings, which is the documentary version of the third act of Ali. Right. And it's it, it's so much better than what is going on in Ali, where I can only compare the two. And uh, it doesn't, and I've seen like, I'm no expert, but I've seen the Muhammad Ali exhibit at in Vegas. I went, it's like a guided tour thing. And I've seen him in when we were Kings and I've seen a lot of archival footage and whatever like joy that man had is completely missing from Ali. And I get that you don't have to show that side of him, but it is a side of him that you should show also. It's not all doom and gloom. (laughs) I haven't seen Ali maybe since the theater. I've tried so many times and so many yeah. different versions. And I think like, this is the one, or this is the time it's going to work. And like every new version gets worse. It's weird. Well, are there, is there like a director's cut? Yeah. There always is for Michael Mann movies. I, I think he's done like two director's cuts and he keeps reshaping the movie and it gets worse every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had heard for years about this fabled, director's cut of black hat and i was like oh awesome because black hat is a flawed movie but maybe the director's cut like really turns it into something genius and it's on the 4k disc of black hat so i was like i will upgrade to the 4k so i can see the director's cut but then i just read last week it's like 90 seconds different yeah i don't think i'm gonna upgrade for 90 seconds what if but those 90 i don't know <laughs> everything good <laughs> It cuts yeah. out that bad explosion where they go, and uh, that's it. It just cuts out that, that explosion. Yeah. I remember seeing Black Hat unplanned in the theaters, and you were in the theater yeah. with, with me. And I, I, I was not planning that. We just bumped into each other because I was there seeing it on a second movie of a double bill with the wedding ringer. Oof. That's a movie that exists. I saw that on like the opening Friday night because I had to review it back when I was writing about comedians for about.com. And yep. uh, I don't remember it. I remember it being like one of the best Kevin Hart movies and also don't remember it. <laughs> he has a new movie that I'm not going to watch directed by F. Gary Gray. We have mutual friends who were like, I'm going to watch Lyft this weekend and like set it with some kind of level of anticipation. And I was just like, have we not been walking the same road? (laughs) I want to hear who that is when we are not recording. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Adam, have you seen anything good lately? Yeah. um, So I've seen one 2024 release. Okay. Um, to a shockingly mostly sold out crowd at the what? IMAX. What? And it was the Beekeeper. I saw it as a sneak oh, that's preview. Right. <laughs> and boy, is my reaction to the Beekeeper different than social media's reaction <laughs> to the Beekeeper. Um, I just thought it was like comprehensively annoying. <laughs> and um, I, it's a weird movie in Statham's filmography because it's not. 
I was hoping that it was going to be like Wrath of Man level serious. Yeah, right. And like, let's get down to business and do some real action shit. And um, it's not that, but it's not Crank. It's not the mechanic Resurrection. I haven't seen the first mechanic, so I don't know. First mechanic's um, okay. I really disliked Resurrection. Yeah, yeah. It's not the transporter. It's like this weird thing in the middle. But he almost seems like he's the centerpiece, but like more attention is given to the supporting cast. Okay. Um, so Josh Hutcherson, I think, makes the best positive impression because it's something different. Because he's playing like a total sleaze bag, and I'm not used to seeing that from him, and he's good right. at it. Okay. Um, but I mean, like, Mini Driver's got like nothing to do. Jeremy Irons is fine, but his character gets less interesting as the movie goes along. Um, it's got like weird comic relief characters. Like, there's one woman who's an FBI agent who's the daughter of a character at the beginning who commits suicide that sort of like throws the events in motion. And you would think she would be solemn sort of because her mother just killed herself. Yeah. But no, it's fine. She's got quips. Her and her partner got quips. Like they're fucking out of improv Olympic. (laughs) And every time they come into the movie, like these FBI agents, it just, is dead air they're terrible like i don't understand like who else was at these auditions (laughs) like (laughs) um did they do screen tests i don't know (laughs) like that's the thing okay i i always bemoan like the end of the movie star era era but seriously it's like these people are not camera ready there's like so many people in movies today where i'm like these are just normies like what are we doing like they're not interesting or i don't know anyways um so and there's tons of b metaphors and they don't work it's broad and stupid and it made me angry and i don't recommend it are we doing online are we doing with david ayer what we did with michael bay when ambulance came out where it was like see he's always been good i don't think so because okay. I've never seen, I haven't really seen anybody like point out the David error of it all. Okay. It's almost like they don't recognize that he directed it. It's like the movie doesn't have a director. <laughs> it's um, just a movie that happened by accident. Yeah, I don't know. But it, does, it doesn't feel like a Jason Statham movie, but also, also it does feel like a Jason Statham movie. It's like he's incidental to the movie. Okay. It, it's, it's not like a plus or a minus. It's just weird. Um, I did some rewatches of 2004 movies. So I watched uh, a new one that I hadn't seen uh, called Goodbye Dragon Inn, which is from Taiwan. I know the title, but that's it. Um, it was hard to come by for a while, but I it came on my radar because the music box played it in 2021 when they reopened. They kind of did this like movie theater or cinema series. Oh, I remember that. And they played Goodbye Dragon Inn, and I didn't know anything about it. But then I um, I read the plot description, and it sounded really interesting because it's about a movie theater in Taiwan on its last day of operations. And I was like, yes, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. And finally, it just popped because I was looking at like where to stream a lot of 04 movies. 
and I saw that you could rent it on, you know, pretty much anywhere, but I rented it off of Amazon and I did not know that it was Skinamarink Slow Cinema. Oh. And I'm not saying that as like a, a knock on Skinamarink. Like it's this genre of cinema called slow mm -hmm. cinema where it's static shots and then it's like three minutes of a woman with a limp walking down the hallway. <laughs> and I was texting Pomero while I was watching it. And I was just like, I'm watching the weirdest movie. Right <laughs> and then it's only like 80 minutes. And then something happened where it's like 66 minutes into the movie. I'm just like, is this getting to me? <laughs> <laughs> so um, it snuck up on me a little bit. And like okay. it left me kind of appreciating the movie. Not so much how it was made, but it definitely gets this feeling of uh, it, it's like not this uh movie where the theater's closing and then the staff is like nostalgic and like or the customers are like talking to the the manager and they're like oh we're gonna miss this place and stuff like that it's just like this building that's dying and like right. it will okay. stop tonight and like it's just very matter of fact it's like okay this is this person like locking up the 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 ticket booth for the last time and stuff like that and there's like very little dialogue but one character says at one point like 40 minutes in it's like you know this theater is haunted right and i'm like yeah i get that this theater looks like decrepit and like <laughs> like it, it definitely feels like a ghostly presence is in here um so i kind of dug it if you're into like weird movies like that i would say that it's something worth checking out so both goodbye dragon Inn and the beekeeper are about the death of cinema Yes, in very separate ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I rewatched another movie that's, I think, explicitly about the death of cinema. Oh, okay. I rewatched Without a Paddle. <laughs> I saw it opening night and haven't thought of it since. I saw it in theaters also. I don't remember why I thought that it was good. Like, in my memory, <laughs> it was good. Okay. We have different memories of the movie. And then I watched it and I'm like, this is one of the laziest, like worst 2000s comedies I've seen. Yeah. And I, I think maybe I just expected there to be like this Lillard bump because Matthew Lillard has become kind of beloved between yeah, right. 2004 and now. And he's, he's the David Ayer of actors. He is the David Ayer of actors. Yeah. Um, and the only juice that the movie has is kind of like Burt Reynolds shows up about an hour and 15 minutes into it. And he's funny because he's playing this hermit and he's just like on one hand supportive, but on one hand, he's got like no tolerance for these three <laughs> idiots. And it's kind of funny. Is he um, just like, so uh, you don't have a paddle, huh? Yeah, but you can't really see him do it with the mouth because his beard is so big. <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. Maybe that's why he seems more sympathetic. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, like, any movie that has to do with, like, yuppies going camping, I usually will give an automatic, like, one and a half stars. So, What else uh, is in this subgenre? Sub um, I mean, it just... It, I'd have to think about it, but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, City Slickers is not camping, but like that's right. Okay, roughing it, if you will. Yeah. yeah, roughing it, if you will. It's okay. the kind of thing where it's like we need to go out in the woods and find ourselves, and like okay. every 
everything will make sense when we get back home. Mm-hmm. Although I don't feel really bad for Matthew Lillard because he's like, I can't make things work with Bonnie Somerville. And I'm like, then move out of the way. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can't take good care of her? Let me try. <laughs> Dummy. Maybe, maybe I won't hurt you the way he did. I'm butthead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> You like my beard? <laughs> Anyways, so and then um, I've been rewatching, uh, or not rewatching. I've been watching a lot of like new to me nineteen ninety movies because that nice. was sort of, like my movie project for the year to kick off the year. Um, so the first movie I watched was Young Guns two. I went in cold because I this had was never your first. Seen... This is your first viewing of Young Guns two. I haven't even seen Young Guns. Interesting. Yeah, so it was weird to just pick it up. Right. Um, I so Young Guns isn't like it was poorly reviewed, but it but it was a hit. But it's awesome. It's just it was kind of like okay, right? Okay. Uh, right. yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of good, but it's been okay. last time I saw it was the first episode of this podcast. Is Young Guns better than Young Guns Two? They're like kind of good but in slightly different ways young guns 2 might be better it's like has more scope to it it's got the william peterson stuff i mean i could do without some of the william bonnie like flashback stuff but yeah i don't know i like them both okay yeah i mean it's like beautifully made yeah and i like the cast enough where it carries it quite a bit and i do like all the pat uh garrett stuff yeah. Is it, Pat it is Pat Garrett, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, it was either Pat Bromley or Pat Garrett. I couldn't remember. <laughs> Pat um, Bromley and Billy the Kid. Yeah. I liked uh all the William Peterson as Pat Garrett stuff. Um, I like movies where it's like there's two of them, like Devil's Rejects and Young Guns 2, where it's like this is ending, there's finality to this, and it's mm-hmm. not like putzing around because it has to be like this inorganic trilogy. Right. <laughs> Three from hell kind of knocked that down. Um, <laughs> uh, so I thought it was okay. It wasn't like it's not getting me to rush out to watch Young Guns, but I'll I'll get around to it. Sure, it's Morgan Creek, right? Yeah, I have affection for anything Morgan Creek. It's the theme, my man. Yeah, yeah. Um, the and then I watched the Hot Spot. Yeah, Philly. you did. Yeah. Um, let's see. A hot spot. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. It's shaggy, and yeah. it sh- it would have been better as like an eighty minute noir, not yes. a two hour ten minute. Hot it's boiler. too long. Too it's, long. It is way too long. The cast is incredible because you got Don Johnson, Virginia Madsen, Jennifer Connelly, William Sadler, Charles Martin Smith. I mean, it's just everybody's in this movie, so it's yeah. great. Um, Jennifer Connelly is beguiling. Uh, <laughs> Virginia Madsen is playing Breathless Mahoney. Um, I think the mystery or like the kind of the caper is interesting. So it was interesting how it played out. Um, my thing though is, and I've seen Don Johnson be good in other movies, more in supporting roles. Yeah. I think he's one of those actors where he needs a supporting role to kind of have like a certain level of play to what he's doing. He's not the guy you want anchoring your movie okay? because 
he looks like handsome stiff guy who like he has like 10 minutes of like shtick but he can't carry a movie like and still be interesting without it seeming wooden where i think like in tin cup he had he just has to go in there and be a rascal and have fun right or at django unchained he just has to be like that type of guy and right. he's like really relishes the opportunity to do so but did this one see, I just uh, like, sorry did you ever see cold in july uh yeah i did a mickle movie he rules in that movie yeah no that's the thing i don't want to knock him because like i think he's good in the right parts uh, but more in like supporting stuff it makes me appreciate actors who can still be interesting while being the plot carriers like dicaprio had like so many years just as like a plot carrier and he didn't get to like really kind of have a sense of play in those movies and it makes me sort of appreciate what he was doing because he was always still interesting. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Don Johnson is like the least interesting part in many of the scenes of the hotspot. Interesting. All right. This makes me want to revisit the hotspot to see how I feel about this because I generally like Don Johnson. Did you ever see a romantic comedy drama it's him and Jeff Daniels and Elizabeth Perkins and Susan Sarandon called Sweetheart's Dance. I've meant to. I haven't seen it, though. Okay. It's good, and he's good in it. That's all. Okay. I, I will write that one down. Yeah, baby. So you will see me writing. Let me see if it's streaming. Sorry if Woo! you guys can hear me typing. Sorry about the audio overall of this episode. There's an issue with my USB mic. And uh, so you'll hear me. I'm trying not to type too much during the show, but if you hear me typing, that's why. Sweetheart's Dance. That's from 88, so you can't really watch it until... Oh, it's on Tubi. Yes, I love Tubi. Yeah, it's pretty great, man. Yeah. Um, Okay, and I got a few more. Nice. I watched uh, two, not the same night. I should have done the same night because it would have been the best night ever. But I watched two James Spaders that I had not seen. I know what they are. Um, so the first one is White Palace. And I really liked it. Um, it's sexy. Yeah. It's uh, a movie that has an interesting angle to a love story because not just their age difference, because Susan Sarandon's like in her early 40s and James Spader's in his late 20s in the movie but also their religion and their socioeconomic backgrounds and stuff like that. It just is like a weird pairing for the two of them to be together as like a couple in real life in the realm of this movie. And I like that the movie is about that because you don't Mm -hmm. always see that. And it's like their prejudices um, coming to the surface where it's like, he doesn't want to introduce her to his like quote unquote real life people. Um, and she just has like an immediate reaction when she starts meeting his family where she's just like, oh, I just don't fit in automatically. I'm going to start drinking and things <laughs> like that. And um, the only thing I didn't like about it is I think like there's crazy Jewish stereotypes in this movie. <laughs> and normally I don't mind that. Like I like Love Light Tonica. <laughs> <laughs> Are there stereotypes in that movie? A little bit. But in this one, it seems like, and I don't think it's deliberate, but it definitely feels like with everybody as the freaks from Table 7 from The Wedding Singer. (laughs) So 
Uh, I mean, like Jason Alexander is in it. Like he's kind of the most normal one uh, of the of his. So James Spader's character is Jewish, and like he just has a lot of Jewish like friends and family. Um, but like, uh, there's a moment where like Susan Sarandon's talking to a Jewish woman in the bathroom at a house party, and the woman just goes like, you know, we're not trying to pass judgment on you, so at least try to get to know us first. But I'm just like, but all the evidence before that is just like, <laughs> guys are the Muppets. Like, what are we doing? So, um, so that was kind of like a little thing. And then there's like this stuff with um, who's the woman from Clue? It's I Eileen Brennan. Brennan, yeah, yeah, where she plays like a fortune teller, and that's a little broad. I don't remember and, that at all. Yeah, it's strange. Um, but it's good. It's pretty good. And then I watched Bad Influence, which is like my pick of the month it's yeah great. baby i love bad influence um it escalates quickly <laughs> um i was like i was expecting a bad influence to happen but i was just like oh it's happening already yeah. um and there's a song in it that has become like like last year my discovery song was like bordello of blood by anthrax and it ended up by number one listen to song on my youtube mix <laughs> for the year and i think right now um the highway by the nymphs from bad influence is my number one song of the year <laughs> i've listened to it so many times and it's embarrassing because there's a part where they go to this bar and james spader goes like who is this they're really good and then rob lowe's like they're the nymphs and i'm just like was this movie's like house band? Like, is this like them trying to like make the nymphs happen? Right, right. And it it just worked completely for me. And I felt embarrassed that like I got hooked, but I got <laughs> hooked. Um, but yeah, I just think it's like great spader between like White Palace and Bad Influence, and then I saw Sex Lies and Videotape for the first time last year. Like I didn't realize how much I like James Spader until recently. Hey, he's awesome. And he he's so great. Um, because I just it got lost in like the blacklist, the office, right, where right. like he always looks like he's like eating a piece of rock candy. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he became a caricature, but like late eighties and nineties Spader is amazing. Um, yeah. I remember seeing Bad Influence in nineteen ninety. And going into it very skeptically, I was like 12 or 13, you know, a skeptical 12-year-old. Um, <laughs> because I was so aware of sort of the stunt casting of it all, because this was Rob Lowe coming off of his sex scandal. And it was like, yeah. oh, okay, so he's kind of leaning into that and he's trying to change his image. And so the whole thing seemed cynical and then i saw the movie and i was like oh that's sneaky great uh yeah. they got away with something there yeah bad influence rules it's really good curtis hansen yeah. um and yeah i think like at first i wasn't like totally in on the low performance but then like as it goes along just how much he digs into it like he's evil in so many different ways mm -hmm. that it becomes really fun by the end so um, I just watched, yeah. I think I talked about it on a recent show, Masquerade with Rob Lowe and Meg Tilly yeah. and Kim Cattrall, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is also streaming on Tubi, but you should definitely watch that. Okay, I will. And then the last one is I watched Rocket Man, 
on a night when I was battling seasonal depression. And Not it the Elton John movie, everyone. Oh, yeah. Let me rephrase. I watched Philip <laughs> Williams' Rocket Man, which I owned a used copy of. Um, and if you would have told me 26 years ago that the actor in Half-Baked I would be most in on in 2024 is Harlan Williams, I would have been surprised. <laughs> I just put together like who else was in that movie. And it's like, yeah, Harlan Williams. Yeah. Um, I think he's really funny in the movie. I yeah. like that his character's capable and smart. He's just a complete doofus. Um, I It was one of those movies where I was like laughing in spite of myself. Like I wasn't hoping. Like, I, I wanted to have a good time, but I was like surprised how much the jokes worked for me. And I like that William Sadler is, you would think that he's going to be like the comedic villain, but he's really not. He's just like a good astronaut who just doesn't have like time for Harlan Williams' bullshit because they could <laughs> die on Mars if he started, <laughs> if he doesn't stop fucking around. Um, so I really like that kind of take on the the comedic, you know, foil. Yeah. And, you know, Jeffrey DeMunn's in it. Um, so it's like wow. a big Darabont reunion. And then Bo Bridges <laughs> is in it and he's great. Um, so I, I had a really good time with it. I, I kept thinking back to you told me that it was like one of the favorite movies of one of your students. Yeah. I want to see if you still have him as a student because I need more recommendations. <laughs> I'll try to track him down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't appear to be streaming. I was hoping it was like on Disney Plus or something, but it's not. Yeah, it's weird that it's not on Disney Plus. Yeah, I just bought a, a disc and I will never sell it. No, you shouldn't. No, I cherish it. <laughs> it means too much now. Yeah. Um. All right. What do I got? Uh. Some bullshit. Uh. Well, I saw a movie that I know you saw, and that's the only I think recent movie that I saw, which is Anyone But You. Yes. The new romantic comedy starring Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney, directed by Will Gluck. And I would consider myself something of a of a Gluckhead. I liked Easy A. I liked Friends with Benefits. Yeah, I mean that was fine. Like what I else didn't... did he do? He did like that You Again movie with Kristen Bell, I think, didn't he? I am not a Gluckhead. I was thinking of Easy A and the fucking male cheerleader movie fired up oh okay which is secretly his best movie um okay. have you seen fired up no i haven't even seen easy a which is weird because i like emma stone so much yeah that's a, a surprise yeah I, I and i have it i have it on a triple disc with the bounty hunter and friends with benefits wow two glucks on there mm-hmm and who's the bounty hunter? I couldn't tell you who directed the bounty hunter, but um, I, I bet you it was some guy named Andy. It looks like a movie directed by an Andy. <laughs> you might be right. Now I'm going to look. Not Rosalie's up, Andy, but... <laughs> but by another Andy. No, obviously. <laughs> um, so I like that there's a romantic comedy that's in theaters and not just going straight to Netflix. I'm trying to lead with the positives. Yeah. Uh, I like that it's rated R. Yeah. And I guess. Kind of spoiler. By the way, Andy Tennant, is yeah, the director of the Bounty Hunter, <laughs> amazing work, sir. Thank you. Um, 
mild spoilers for uh this movie that i'm talking about <laughs> the name of which is anyone, anyone but you I, I i wanted to call it you again because we were just talking about that yeah. um fast forward 15 seconds if you don't want to hear this particular spoiler uh i like that like they fuck in the movie you know and the movie mm-hmm. doesn't shy away from that um I like both Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell as actors. I could watch them in most things. And yet I just was not crazy about this movie at all. I found it to be very poorly made. Yeah. I thought it looked kind of like shit despite being shot in gorgeous Australia and despite starring two of the most beautiful people alive. Um I thought the story made no sense. I don't like romantic comedies that spend 95% of their time having the couple bicker and antagonize each other only to say at the very end, like, Oh, we've been in love all along. Like I would much rather watch a movie about a couple actually falling in love than resisting falling in love. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought it was kind of lame and badly made. Yeah. I, I was, why, I, I'm happy that the movie is successful because if this brings back more and better romantic comedies to theaters, then I'm Absolutely. all for it. Yep. And also, I would love to see Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney get more star vehicles. Absolutely. Um, I thought, and I was there, I was like game, I wanted to enjoy it. I just thought that it was one of the weirdest movies I had seen in a long time because <laughs> it's like something having to do with the filmmaking like made it so that every joke failed do you know what i'm saying like it just felt like this should be like such a no-brainer for somebody who's made a romantic comedy before about like the pacing or like i don't even know what it is but there's just something in between the lines that like it's like if somebody who worked all their life at seven up had their first day at sprite but was given the most important job (laughs) it's like something's off it doesn't taste right okay yeah i think i get that (laughs) i i couldn't wrap my head around just like it's this rich expensive wedding in australia but like only six people are involved they must be insufferable people (laughs) one of them is glenn powell's ex but i could not figure out why it's like Okay, you're the parents, you're the best friends, you're the brother. Why are you here again? Like, why is the ex involved in everything? Uh, It just, it felt kind of by the numbers in ways that it shouldn't have, I think, because they had, you know, the R rating to work with, because they were making a theatrical romantic comedy, because they have two stars who are kind of out to prove themselves and maybe slightly unconventional choices to star in this kind of movie, I think this could have been a movie that like broke the mold in certain ways and dared to do some things differently. And instead it's kind of like a shitty generic Netflix movie that happened to make it into theaters. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like I, I watched it um, around like just before Christmas, they had like a sneak preview one night and I went, um, humble brag. Uh, <laughs> but, but the, uh, 
And then later on New Year's Eve, I watched When Harry Met Sally in a theater. And not that we should be comparing all romantic comedies to maybe one of the best romantic comedies ever made, but <laughs> it just was such a stark contrast of just, even though like the situations aren't entirely realistic, there's not women having orgasms at delis and stuff like that, or faking orgasms at delis. Right. They're having real ones, <laughs> is my point. Um, the, if, in the universe of when Harry met Sally, they feel like real people with real emotions. And that's really kind of all you need them to do in a, right. in, in a romantic comedy, especially like anyone but you. Um, but it just all feels so like the characters can only act within this narrow set of, you know, behavior. And it's just disappointing because it's just like, just act like a real person and every scene would be 15% better. We get, you know, the meet cute in the first 10 minutes and they hit it off and they have this amazing date. And then we have this forced miscommunication that's like some of the weakest, laziest writing. Yeah, so it's not even like that like out of a miscommunication really no. either. No, it's and then yeah. the movie just keeps repeating that beat where it's like they keep miscommunicating. They keep not saying what they're supposed to say and yeah. i know that that's a staple of the romantic comedy but it's just one that i'm very tired of yeah um i finally got around to seeing a movie i've meant to see for many years and that is little darlings which mm, okay. bought on voodoo when it was on sale for like five bucks many months ago and never watched and then there's a new sub label from vinegar syndrome called like cinematograph or something <clears throat> and their first release is little darlings and it's a big deal because it's never been out on disc and i was like well i should use this announcement as an excuse to watch this movie i don't want to spend 40 bucks on their 4k uh i would rather just watch my five dollar digital version and it's for sure like going to be one of my favorite discoveries of the year. I fucking loved it. Um, it's Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill at summer mm -hmm. camp as like 14 year olds. Armand Asante plays like a teacher who's also a oh, counselor. Oh, I thought you were going to say camp. he plays a 14 year old. He should play a 14 year old. He is very young in the movie and it's weird to see <laughs> Matt yeah. Dillon is in it as like the kid from the wrong side of the tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's essentially, they have a bet who will lose their virginity first. So it's the proto American pie. Um, I just loved every beat in the movie. I loved the performances. I loved where the movie went. Um, I, I think I'd love summer camp movies, which I didn't know about myself, but like, mm -hmm. I can't think of a summer camp movie that I will not watch and enjoy. Uh, and you can, I could put that to the test. You could absolutely put that to the test. Camp nowhere. I'll check it out. I've never seen it, but I will like gladly watch it. It doesn't mean I like it, but I could sit down and watch it. No problem. Two of the kids grew up to be cult members. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is Keegan in it? He is. Who's the other one? Uh, Allison Mack. Oh, she's in it too? Yeah, yeah. She's into some Nexium shit. All right, that is on Disney Plus, so I will watch it for sure. You're welcome. Yeah. 
even when I was 12, I was just like, I want no part of this. <laughs> I'm like, give me a camp with rules and supervision. <laughs> Not Christopher Lloyd. Um, I'm yeah. totally going to watch Camp Nowhere. Uh, I think my love of camp movies stems from uh, when I was a very small kid. There was a made-for-TV movie called Poison Ivy with Michael J. Fox and Nancy McKeon. Mm. And Nancy McKeon was like my first crush ever. And Michael J. Fox was like the person I wanted to be. So watching them star together in a summer camp movie, I was like, this is what life should be. Yeah. And uh, anyway, Little Darlings is fucking awesome. Could you double feature Poison Ivy with Father and Scout go straight from Fox to Bonzel? <laughs> I don't know if I could because I think you can. In the back of my head, I just like when I watch Mikey, I, I can I can tolerate that Bonzel because I'm like I know how this turns out. Do you wanna Do you wanna go life with Mikey to Mikey another Fox to Bonzel? <laughs> <laughs> I like that life with Mikey. Maybe my least favorite Michael J. Fox. I mean, that's from kind of his wilderness period, but like so's for Lover Money, and I love for Lover Money. Like I think every movie should be as good as for Lover Money. Do you want to go from for Lover Money to blank check another Fox to <laughs> <laughs> is my new favorite game? Holy shit. Um the last movie I'll talk about uh at Adam's suggestion. I was oh, gonna say urging but it wasn't really an urging no i put on twitter like what director because last year i i just got my letterbox like mm -hmm. year in review yeah most watched actor nicholas cage of course my sure most watched director robert zemeckis because last march ish uh, the Music Box did a retrospective on his movies, and I didn't go, but I did a retrospective of his movies at home and watched almost all of his movies. So I was like, that was really fun. I would like to do that again. Um, it hasn't worked out the same way because last year I kind of did it all in the span of a couple days, and this year it's had to be way more spread out already. But I said, who should I watch? And you suggested Peter Hyams. And I was like, I like that idea. So I've been watching some Peter Hyams movies. I've only gotten like four in so far. But the one I want to talk about is The Star Chamber from 1983. Douglas? Michael Douglas. Yeah. His first collaboration with Peter Hyams. They made another movie together in the 2000s called Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. Which is not good, because um, that was one of the other four movies I watched. Joel Edmiston, when he was on the show, when we did Bottle Rocket, talked about The Star Chamber. Uh, it was a movie I've known about for years and years and years, but never saw. Michael Douglas plays a judge who becomes part of a secret society of judges who are kind of taking the law into their own hands when uh, court cases get thrown out or overturned or, you know, the, the guilty walk and these judges are like not on my watch and they take the law into their own hands it is a movie that's kind of missing a middle act because it mm. takes a long time to get Michael Douglas into the secret society all super compelling then he's in the secret society for all of about 10 minutes and then he's like this is a bad idea and then the rest of the movie is him trying to get out of the secret society so it's missing the middle section where like he's into it and uh, 
we get to see the way that the secret society operates. Having said that, it's like super well made. The cast is incredible. It's one of these movies that in 1983 was a three star movie, and in 2024 is a five star movie because nice. that's just how movies like this have aged compared to stuff we have now. Um, so I highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I saw the trailer for it when I was trying to decide what 83 movies I hadn't seen that I wanted to see before at this movie fest last year. Yeah, yeah. So I will check it out. There's no so this, disc So this of was it. like right before Douglas became like a big movie star yeah. after, with Romancing the Stone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's still kind of trying to break through as an actor. Yeah. It doesn't really happen till Romancing the Stone, but uh he's really good in it even though I think if I went into a courtroom and Michael Douglas was my judge, I would be like, "Could I get a mistrial?" <laughs> because I don't trust this guy in the deep V-neck. <laughs> yeah, those judges with their V-necks. <laughs> he's definitely <laughs> making fuck me eyes at all the lawyers in the yeah. courtroom and I don't trust it. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, those are the three movies I saw. The two older ones are great. And anyone but you is a movie. Let's talk about collateral from yeah. 2004, a movie Erica and I saw on our honeymoon, a Michael Mann movie that I tweeted out. Uh, I put the Blu-ray in. And the menu came on and I was like, is this one of the best Michael Mann movies just based on the images and the music on the Blu-ray? Spoilers. I wouldn't put it in my top Michael Manns. But are you talking top good. five? Michael I'm, talking, I'm talking top five. But it's I, very good and I really like it. Yeah, I haven't seen all of the Manns. Which still ones seen are you missing? Bro you know? The Keep, Ferrari. Yeah. And I don't remember anything about the last of the Mohicans. I don't think any of those would supplant collateral. I know the keep and Ferrari wouldn't last of the Mohicans okay. could, because it's got that stow bump. Yeah. Hot stow. Um, Hot so... stow. Don't touch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also touch. Um, but also touch. Yeah, it's like, uh-oh, the stove was too hot and I spilled a pot full of Ben-Bens. <laughs> well, I forget that they're married. It's so weird. Good for him, it's, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's a solid um, Yeah, I mean, also, if I were Brian Ben-Ben, this is a show about collateral. Uh, if I were Brian Ben Ben, I would be like racked with fear every time Madeline Stowe went on set for another movie because she's just like paired or up left with the house. Handsome man after handsome man after handsome man. Yeah, she's it's Costner, it's Kurt Russell, yeah, it's Aiden Quinn. What was mm -hmm. the, I don't know what the movie was. If we were to go back in our texts far enough, we could pinpoint the exact moment at which I fell hard for Madeline Stowe, but I feel like it was my... Was it Blink? I, I think it was way before that. I think it was like was my most recent rewatch of um, Revenge. I think the last time I watched Revenge, I was like, oh, I get it. And yeah. All in on Stowe. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I would say my top man's, it's definitely Heat number one, The Insider number two, probably Thief three. And then I guess I would go Collateral Miami Vice four and five, but I think that could flip. I think it could be Miami Vice, then Collateral. Okay. Um, I had the exact same reaction to Collateral this time that I've always had to Collateral, which is surprising because I thought that I would like maybe have kind of a 20 years later bump to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe this is a good place to start. I think it's a terrific first 90 minutes, and then I think it falls apart in the last 30 minutes. I don't think it falls apart completely, and I was going to say great first hour, okay second hour, but you might have zeroed in even more closely on like, once it becomes about like, oh, you're going after Jada Pinkett Smith, I think the movie isn't as good. It doesn't I won't say get, falls apart, but yeah, I maybe falls apart was a little too harsh because it's still like very watchable. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it doesn't ruin the movie. So I think falls right. apart maybe indicates that it ruins the movie. But um that's when all of the coincidences seem to see, pile up. And the behavior that isn't believable kind of piles up or plot developments where people are getting like shot in the neck, but still acting like they didn't just get shot in the neck. (laughs) Um, Not naming any names, but it's Tom Cruise. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I think like where, where it cuts off from being like a four star movie for me is like right after he crashes the cab. That's okay. So this was the exact moment that I was going to say, because I had to watch this in two parts because it got real late one night. We went to bed. I literally paused it at the cab crash. Yeah. We went to bed. I put it on the next day and I was like, none of this is as good as what I watched last night. It literally is the moment he crashes the cab from that point forward. It's not as good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, it's too much of a screenwriter construct that like his first fair is also the fifth, you know, potential mark. And uh, like I said, you know, people are getting shots and like acting like they're not getting shots. And then it's too underlined where it's like guy gets on the MTA dies, nobody notices. And then that's how he dies at the end. It's just like too many things like that. And it just doesn't do justice to how good the first 90 minutes were. It's like, it feels like it needs just one more rewrite. Well, what if like, because I love all the Jamie Foxx, Jada Pinkett stuff. And I've told this story before, but like the first time we saw it, I got so invested in their burgeoning relationship and their conversation that I had to remind myself like, oh, wait, this is a movie about Tom Cruise wanting to go around and kill people. I was like, no, I don't want Tom Cruise to show up. I just yeah. want to watch this movie. Um, what if, like, he just decides he's going to save the fifth person? And it's not Jada Pinkett Smith. It's just the fifth person. And he's like, I could do something to prevent that person from being killed. It's no one I know. I'm just going to find them, convince them someone's coming to kill them. And then the coda of the movie is him calling Jada Pinkett Smith or something so yeah. that we're like, oh, they are going to go on a date or whatever this movie wants us to believe is going to happen with them. Like the, the fact that it's her, I just can't get past. Yeah. I mean, like your suggestion is really good because 
it the the inflection point is like Tom Cruise called Jamie Foxx out on his bullshit. Right. And then Jamie Foxx is just like, fuck it. At least in that at least that night, he's just like, fuck it. I've had it. I can't take this anymore. And then, yeah, like he goes after and then like adrenaline and stuff like that. I'm going to go save this fifth person. And then he builds up the, you know, still, what do I have to lose? I'm going to call jada pinkett like i think that's great um that's really smart um but yeah i I, this one thing that um i love about collateral because i do like collateral quite a bit so i don't want to like focus too much on the negative um, is at the beginning like that scene with him and jada pinkett it's so good because it establishes so much about his character in the first 10 minutes and it's got this it, it establishes stakes it's this relationship that's burgeoning that you want to see come to fruition you want the yeah. best for both of them i love her vulnerability and like just the stuff that she's saying because movie prosecutors are always portrayed in a very sort of business-like way right. where like they don't have any humanity to them just the fact that she's kind of got like this vulnerability to reveal her process where she's like, I have to cry like that night. And like, and I love what she says where she's like, and in the morning I'm fine because like, I, I, I can empathize with that. It's just like, there's no time where you're more nervous for something than leading up to the thing that you're nervous about. Sure. And then like when it comes down to business more often than not, you almost go into like this trance or like this blackout where like, (laughs) all your preparation just helps you when it comes back and like, you're fine. Right. Um, so I love that from her standpoint. She makes, it makes her a really likable character. It also shows what a great performance it is because Jada Pinkett is weird. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I forget that she's weird when I'm watching this movie. This and demon night for sure. You forget how <laughs> weird she is. Um, I almost don't want Max to call her cause she will destroy him. <laughs> She broke Will Smith. She <laughs> broke Mike Lowry. Do you think Max has a chance? <laughs> Max would be in a straitjacket after like. <laughs> um, but uh, and the thing I love about Jamie Foxx, there's one character element in this that I think is so good. It's the postcard on the visor yeah. where he says, "You know, whenever things get too crazy." I go to my private island and he flips down and he's got the postcard there. And he says, I do it about a dozen times a day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it says so much about that character where he's just like, he can only like handle so much. Like he needs like, uh, like uh, what you call it. It's not meditation, but like he needs like a mindfulness exercise 12 mm-hmm. times a day. Like that's the type of person that he is. Like he to, can't to drive like, a cab, like, which is, I'm not saying driving a cab is easier. I'm not downplaying driving a cab. It's just when you compare it to what he's put through on this particular night. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a leap. Like if he's having to do mindfulness 12 times just to drive people around, imagine where he has to go this night and how it changes him you know which i know is kind of where you were going yeah and um you know like the thing is he wants to own island limos it's like this limo company where it's a club and stuff like that and the thing that's so tragic about it is even after this night i don't think he could do it i think that 
he because you can't change your entire nature on sure right one evening and i don't say this as a knock against max and that to be autobiographical one of the things that was most uncomfortable for me watching this movie is i feel like every once in a while i'll see a movie where i'm just like that character is me and this is mm-hmm. uncomfortable mm-hmm. Kristen wig and bridesmaids <laughs> Uh, not so much anymore, but back at, in 2011, I was like, I am Kristen Wiig and Brett. <laughs> um, 2024, Adam, is a lot like Jamie Foxx and Collateral, um, where you just sort of don't want to make waves. You want to be friendly. You want to be helpful. You're good at what you do, but you really know that you can't handle a whole lot. And like mm-hmm. the thing that you have is sort of like your dream, your pipe dream. Even you know it's probably not really going to happen. And I say that not as like a woe is me thing. It's more just sort of like I kind of know myself in that sense. And I feel very sympathetic, not just empathetic, to Jamie Foxx's character in Collateral um, because of it. And I think it's such a great performance, too, on top of the characterization, because Jamie Foxx is not a meek performer. There's nothing about him. Um, that is weak or kind of at a low temperature, hot stove. Um, <laughs> he's got a lot of, you know, he, he's got a lot of confidence and charisma. And like, yes, most- that's his whole thing is like, yeah, wagger, you know. So seeing him like play this person who, by all accounts, is not like him at all, right. and him just nail it is really, really impressive. And I, I think like it's one of those like great supporting actor nominations that like you're so happy <laughs> happen like that and like I think Ethan Hawke and Training Day where I'm just like yes recognize yeah yeah it's it's they're like a little bit outside the box because the movies are so commercial yeah. but the performances are so good that like you're happy to see somebody get it right yeah yeah so I I think for him. If I had like a favorite thing about the movie, it's Jamie Foxx's performance. I love Jamie Foxx. I think, you know, him getting the nomination is the right call, even over Tom Cruise. Um, But I have to admit that watching it on this most recent viewing, I was loving watching both of them playing a little bit against type. Yeah, because I mean, Tom Cruise is definitely still in the zone of like, I'm Tom Cruise. I know it all. I'm the best at what I do. Like, it's not that this is so against type for Tom Cruise. Him playing Max would have been more against type than him playing Vincent. But um, seeing him sort of flip his confidence, his charisma, his charm. And using it for like more nefarious purposes, he doesn't get to play a villain that often. And you know, when he did, it was like Lestat in Interview with the Vampire. And yeah. I will fully admit, I think he's the best part of Interview with the Vampire, a movie I don't like very much. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Cruise is kind of the best part of it, but it's very like showy and like, look at me, I'm having fun and I'm playing a bad guy and we're all dressed up. Yeah. Uh, whereas Collateral, I think is a much more grounded realistic portrayal of a bad guy and i just was watching the movie just thinking about like man tom cruise the actor i'm making that distinction on purpose 
is so fucking awesome. Like I just yeah, really love awesome. watching Tom Cruise and stuff. Yeah, I I love his performance. I mean, I don't I I just think that JB Fox is such like a revelation in this movie. In sure, this, sure, sure. But like Tom Cruise is so good at twisting his trademark intensity. Yes. For like a nefarious purpose in this right. movie because right. it feels like, you know, like just kind of a twist on you know like the tom cruise persona is like if you were a cab driver and you were driving tom cruise around and he's just like and you just say something like oh i i've never been skydiving he would be like you want to go right now <laughs> and then like you wouldn't you would be jumping out of a plane 30 minutes later like for sure that's kind of what tom cruise is like in this but he's doing it for like evil purposes where it's right. just like you never, and he even says it, it's like, you never had the choice. Like, just take solace in that. You never right. have a choice. Right. He's just like, so in command, like, that's why he kind of, that's one thing I want to ask you about is um, I can't, and I don't say this as a, uh, a criticism of the movie, but what do you think Vincent's opinion is of Max? during the movie like i think he definitely feels that this guy's kind of weak and sort of pathetic but i also don't really i i think that he likes him more than he intended to like him i think by the end of the movie max is essentially his best friend and maybe the best friend he's ever had um and it's all there in the moment and it's a little on the nose but i don't care because i think it's so great when they're in the club And the guy's about to bring the hammer down on Max and Vincent shoots him. And Max kind of looks over like, holy shit, you saved my life. And Vincent just looks back at him and I'm like, oh, he's saving him because that's his best friend, which is like demented, obviously, on Vincent's part. But like, yeah, I think. I don't think he necessarily comes to respect him, as you said, because I do think he kind of looks down on Vincent. But I think he comes to understand him in a way and has allowed Max to understand him in a way that he hasn't allowed other people to in his life. Um, And I think he confuses that for intimacy and friendship. Yeah, I I think because at one point they talk about this happening, something similar happening in Oakland where a cabbie drives this guy around, a bunch of people drop dead. Cabbies, you know, it looks like a suicide by the cabbie and stuff like that. And obviously it's like foreshadowing that this is something, this is Vincent's MO, this is what he right. does. Um, but I think like maybe he get, maybe Tom Cruise got into the cab intending to kill Jamie Foxx at the end of the night. Sure. And then I think by the middle of the night, he's kind of like goading him. He's just like, call the girl. Like, right make your career happen stuff like that like i don't think that he was going to kill him anymore i don't right. know for sure right. but like it feel or it would be a lot more difficult for him to do it it would be like when nino brown's trying to kill alan payne <laughs> uh am i my brother's keeper yes you are <laughs> i checked um yeah no i but i mean like just think about the like what we're talking about. Like this is just kind of like a 
th thriller programmer, even though it's directed by Michael Mann, Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx. And that's the difference. Like you put this talent in here right. and you get these strong characters and these strong relationships and it makes like the action. There's nothing special about the action in this movie, but you care so much about the action because you care so much about the characters. It's also precise in, in that very Michael Mann way where it's like, oh, you know, between him and Tom Cruise, like they really studied this and like yeah. Tom Cruise really figured out like how he would take on 12 guys in a nightclub and how he would shoot with really cl close groupings in the chest and the head and like the, because they're both such technicians yeah, And that's so interesting because Vincent himself is a technician, obviously. Michael Mann is such a technician. Michael Mann makes movies about professionals who are obsessed with and or great at their jobs. And this is another version of that, you know, and uh, I love it. I love I forgot the opening was Jason Statham, like giving yeah. Tom Cruise the briefcase. And it's like, oh, right. I'm in Michael Mann world where everyone who shows up is like someone kick-ass heat is like that collateral is like that where you have mark ruffalo and peter berg playing the cops that like could have been played by basically anybody yep. um michael mann world is all about just like getting the best professionals you can for the job uh i love that about his movies yeah i uh i think it's so interesting that um also, another actor who kind of he, he's done it more since 2004, but like I love the versatility of Mark Ruffalo as an actor. Because even like if you compare him playing a cop in this to him playing Dave Tosky in Zodiac, it's two very different people playing, you know, the cop who gives a shit. Right. And um, when you see him in, and I mean this nicely <laughs> oh boy but when you see him in interviews you're like you are a giant dork <laughs> and, like i don't think i've you, seen him in many interviews but you see like if you see him in like award shows or interviews or like doing like stuff online where he he's you know i i share his politics but he's all like kind of like this is wrong he's like kind of like that and like when you see him in collateral, I'm just like, oh, he's a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I love, I mean, I I it bums me out, spoilers for collateral, like the moment where he's shot. But again, I love the sort of slick professionalism of it, where it's like, that's what would happen. We're not gonna dwell on it. We're moving yeah. on you know, uh, onto the next thing. We're not going to get, we're not going to overly sentimentalize what just happened. Um, that's so Michael Mann. That's so William Friedkin. Like I yeah. love that attitude in movies. Yeah. It's great. Cause it just like pulls the rug out from under the audience. It's like, you get this win for, and it lasts 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> so um, another thing is, he, I don't think he could have done it in 2004, but in 2024, say you were, say Collateral, not remake Collateral, but say Collateral didn't exist and you were casting Vincent. I yeah. think Statham now could do it. Sure. I think he's like, that's the thing that I, I thought when I saw him pop up at the beginning, where I'm just like, that's the type of Statham I want to see. I want to see Statham play Vincent in Collateral 
or do like the wrath of man's or the bank jobs of the world. Like, I feel like just like, I don't know. I'm just done with this beekeeper stuff. Uh, he's definitely capable of doing yeah. more and doing better, but there's yeah. still a little bit too much. And and some people have this with Tom Cruise. Um, there's still a little bit of, I'm always watching Jason Statham. Yeah. I would argue that Tom Cruise kind of disappears into the role of Vincent. Um, Even though, you know, he's quote unquote Tom Cruise in air quotes. And he's, as we said, inverting so many of the things that make him a movie star or rather weaponizing them in a really interesting way. I should say not inverting them so much as weaponizing them in a way. So there's some people who would watch this movie and say, I can't see anything but Tom Cruise. I see him disappearing into the role of Vincent in an interesting way. I haven't yet seen the movie where Jason Statham disappears into anything. I could see that. Yeah, he doesn't play like vivid characterization. I could see what you're saying. Yeah, a little bit in Spy, which is like a movie I don't love. Mm -hmm. But that's him kind of weaponizing some of his Jason Statham-ness into being funny instead of just yeah the coolest guy in the room yeah i spy is the type of movie that i don't like that drives me the most crazy which is i think i had a chance of liking spy until everybody told me spy was the greatest movie ever understandable so i don't know anyways it's no she spies with natasha (laughs) henstridge a show i wish i watched when it was on (laughs) I do too, but I, I don't. Missed, I missed my window. I just am agreeing with you to be affable and agree, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, it happens less often than you think. Um, so the uh, one thing that I find funny, yeah, and here's one thing that I want to just kind of say: it's the beginning of a new year. Yeah, I could just set the table again with this. In movies that I love. I still think things are weird and funny in them and me okay. picking them out, like nitpicking stuff is my way of engaging and enjoying them more. Yeah. So I don't want people thinking like I'm nitpicking it and like saying like, this is stupid and bad. Okay. Okay. But Vincent is the worst assassin ever. <laughs> <laughs> like down to what wardrobe do I wear to the airport that won't make me look like an assassin? Like, it looks like he bought it off of the rack at Party City of, like, Lone Wolf Assassin. Yeah, again, the whole gray in the hair and the gray suit and the wolf imagery, it's all a little on the nose, you know? Like, yeah. there are things in Collateral I wish were a little less... <sighs> like cinematically romanticized or um, thuddingly obvious at worst. It doesn't, it, it's not a deal breaker for me, but it is one of those things where I'm like in heat, it doesn't bother me as much because heat is such a larger than life movie. Yeah. Collateral doesn't totally feel that way. Collateral feels more street level. And so when it's doing some of those heat esque flourishes, I bristle at it a little bit. Yeah, like at the end when it's the two of them 
in the train to on the on the train together. It's de definitely meant to be kind of like this, right? Remind you of like Pacino and De Niro at the end, and it just does not have like the same no. weight to it at no. all. Um, but also like none of this would be a problem. Max could have been none the wiser if Tom Cruise dummy doesn't right. shoot him so that he falls on the cab. Like, right. And at that point, I kind of want that just to be his thing where like the victims just all fall on the cab. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know when Vincent is done and it's time to go is another body falls on the cab. Yeah. Like I the like fourth it. victim, he like shoots him in the club and then he's like dragging him out and he's like, here, help me throw him on top of the cab. By the end of the movie, the cab is just barely moving down the street because so many bodies have dented it and destroyed its body. Yeah. He shoots the the carjackers, throws them on top. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> it's just so funny to me where he's just like, it's like the movie The Killer with David Fitcher where it's like mocking like right. the cool precision of this. Right. This right. hitman or this contract killer, and it's like Tom Cruise is like being so. He's like, he's like, you, you go into that club and you talk to Javier Bardem because nobody knows what I look like. And then he's just like, but I'm going into this club and shoot thirty <laughs> people. Well, he has to keep changing the plan because things keep going wrong because of Max's involvement, <laughs> <It does. laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. There's like that. And then, uh, yeah, they're, like, driving around in, like, a busted cab. And I'm just, like, at some point, you kill people for a living. Like, yeah. you would think you'd maybe, like, carjack somebody and get a different car. Right. <laughs> like, Stop calling attention to yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, like, it's like let's let's put a bigger mark on us. But I don't know. It, does, <laughs> it doesn't bother the movie or ruin the movie. I just think it's funny. Um, I like that Island Limos is Max's version of the Linderground Cinema Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> For everybody who doesn't know, that is the made-up movie theater that Patrick and I talk about all the time and is the subject of Friday Night Double Features. Whatever Double Feature is playing there, uh, is playing, it plays at the Linderground Cinema Rink, and everybody yes. who goes there comes courtesy of an island <laughs> the official transportation of linderground cinema rings what is the episode where that generates do you know uh i don't okay you talked about was it spawn because like didn't you say linderground started with something related to a it was a spawn? it was a ninja turtles comic book adaptation that we were doing okay. as a radio play and it said underground, but the guy read it as Linderground. Yeah, I think it was either Spawn or it could have been the Turtles 2 one. Okay. But yeah, everybody should go back and listen to our old shows. Is For our sure. Point. <laughs> yeah. Um, How else are you going to get all these references? Exactly. I, I, need to, I just want to do a little bit of a better job with the inside jokes. I want to bring people in. <laughs> and I want to, I want the people who have been with us the whole time to to be reminded of <laughs> the genesis of all these inside jokes. Genesis uh, spelled with a Y, by the way. Um, what is the? I might be getting his name wrong. Barry Shabatka Henley. Yes, that's a good scene. Yeah, Barry Shabaka Henley. How fucking great is that whole scene? Like, oh my god. 
The moment where it, he recognizes what's going on. When it turns, I mean, it's yeah. so good. Like The way that it's done is so great. Yeah. Yes, and so well performed by everybody, not just Barry Shabaka, but yeah, the way that Tom Cruise sort of lets him know, here's what I'm here for, the way Jamie Foxx is kind of like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> like the yeah. All three of them are on different pages until two of them are on the same page and Jamie Foxx still isn't, and he's just kind of like, ah, catch me up. Uh, it, yeah, it, I love it. Yeah, it's so great, too, because it's like the very Shabaka Henley character is the second guy, but he's so hard trying to pretend that he's still the first guy. Right, right, right. And then it's just like, oh, no, the jig is up. Like, yeah. it's like, this is who you are for the rest of your, your short life and yeah. everything like that. I think it's so cool. It's just like he's just called on that. It's the only thing I don't like about that scene, and I don't think it's collateral's problem. It's just like, years and years of like jazz in movies problem is i don't think that i like jazz as much as the movies want me to like jazz so like i always i always feel like a like a fraud when i watch like a jazz scene because it like presupposes like you as an audience member is just like you know miles and stuff (laughs) like that and i'm just like i don't but at least it gives us Jamie Foxx as an audience proxy who, when yeah. asked if he likes jazz, is like, no, not really. <laughs> like, <laughs> finally, a character who isn't letting us know how hip and sophisticated he is by loving jazz. Like, the fact that Tom Cruise loves it, I get that it's meant to be a metaphor for, like, the improvisation of it all. Uh, but it definitely feels like a put-on for Tom Cruise, who's definitely, like, trying to be a certain kind of way. And Jamie Foxx makes no bones about being a certain kind of way. He's just like, no, I don't really like jazz. And it would have been so easy to make him a secret jazz lover. Can I suggest a double feature? Right now, do it. Collateral and the Terminal. Summer 2004 Caucasians who like jazz from DreamWorks. (laughs) Now playing at the Lindergrund Cinema Rink. It doesn't get more specific than that. (laughs) We don't even have trailers. This is so specific. Charlie walked in when I was watching Collateral. Yeah. Has he seen it before? No. Okay. And he looked at Jamie Foxx and somebody calls him Max. And Charlie goes, why is he always playing a guy named Max? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, isn't his name Max? And I was like, why is that what you pull? <laughs> like, He's seen that movie one time. Yeah. And for some reason, he A, recognizes Jamie Foxx. B, remembers that his name was Max. Uh, that is definitely Jamie Foxx's finest hour. It was his birthday. I remember that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will say this, though. I would rather rewatch The Amazing Spider-Man 2 over many better Spider-Man movies interesting yeah like i would rather watch it again than over either of the animated ones okay i'd rather rewatch it over amazing spider-man one okay i'd rather rewatch it over any of the hollands any of the hollands really yeah or maybe not all right i'm weird though i think i like far from home the best of the hollands interesting But that's just because of Joe and Hall. So, okay, sure. Yeah, I think I like Homecoming the best of the three. Okay, yeah, I don't know. He's too. I, hard I'm not in a hurry to rewatch any of them, so I, you yeah. know, I'm I'm good. I'll watch the Raimi ones. I hope that him and 
that he and Zendaya stay together forever because yeah. I don't think he'll ever recover if they broke up. Uh, no, and you know, I can't totally blame him and I'm not even totally. like a big Zendaya guy, but like I'm not I, either. I just think that like yeah, anyways, whatever. Yeah. It's something Rob and I talk about sometimes. Um <laughs> How long do you think Max and Annie dated? I don't know. I'm I'm such a fucking sap that I want to like believe that movie couples stay together forever. Like Orlando Bloom and Kristen Dunst. Exactly. So <laughs> I hate in sequels when all of a sudden they're like, "Oh yeah, no, it didn't work out." I'm like, "Fuck yes. you, movie." Like mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock are staying together after Speed. She's not dating Jason Patrick. Like, don't tell me that they broke up and now she's got a new guy. I want to just, or that, you know, John McClane and Holly Gennaro divorced again or whatever. Like, I just want to believe that couples are staying together. So I'm going to say they're still together to this day. I would agree with that. The whole, like, Keanu to Patrick thing, not Patrick Bromley, but Jason Patrick thing. Is like, like, have you heard of like Tom Cruise's infamous cake? What? All right. So apparently he gives like a holiday cake to people. Okay. And like, it's supposed to be like the, like a legend. Like it's supposed to be like the greatest cake ever. Okay. And he has like a a list of celebrities and friends that he gives this cake to. I want to be on this list. And Keanu Reeves is that cake. And then like Annie choosing Jason Patrick and breaking up with Keanu Reeves is like, no, I prefer gum. It's like, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? I would rather have her be like, my new boyfriend is Dennis Leary, and we're still together from two if by C. Yes, Edgar Friendly. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see LAPD SWAT Dennis Leary. <laughs> um. All right. So I think we got to the point of the show where I just point out random shit that I like. Okay. <laughs> Please right, do. Interesting. Okay. Um, mm. All right. Question for you. I think I know the answer already. Um, what is the better performance of 2004 from Jamie Foxx, Ray or collateral? I like collateral better. I prefer collateral, but I think he's still, even though Ray is kind of a joke now, like I still think he's really good in Ray. He is really um, good in Ray. I, yeah, I don't mean to, discount how good he is in ray but i like his performance in collateral more okay all right movie game for you all right all right you can keep one of the two of tom cruise and jamie fox but you have to swap one of them with these two alternate casting choices that almost happen okay russell crowe is vincent okay and adam sandler is max I would see the Tom Cruise, Adam Sandler version. Adam Sandler didn't do this movie because of scheduling conflicts with Spanglish. I believe I knew that. And obviously I wouldn't trade anything for the Jamie Foxx performance because I think he is so good. But I think the Tom Cruise, Adam Sandler version is also like amazing. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, Okay. Jamie Foxx was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in 2004. Uh, He did not win. The other nominees were Morgan Freeman for Million Dollar Baby, Alan Alda for The Aviator, Clive Owen for Closer, 
and Thomas Hayden Church for Sideways. Who is your winner? I really like Thomas Hayden Church and Sideways. I think I would go with that too. Yeah. Even though I really like Jamie Foxx in this. Um I do too. And I, I, I like Morgan Freeman and Million Dollar Baby. Like I think he's really good in that movie. Um The problem is Morgan Freeman should have won like an Oscar or two by the time Million Dollar Baby came around. Exactly. So it seems silly that he's winning for that and not for Unforgiven or Seven or the Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank, yeah. Shawshank being the obvious one. But like yeah. Thomas Hayden Church, you know giving a comedic performance uh, is easily overlooked. And again, you know, Paul Giamatti doesn't even get nominated that year because it's we're in backwards town. But um, yeah. yeah, I think I would go Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. Um, there's one moment in Collateral that bothers me more than almost any movie. And I re- once I remembered it's in this, like I wanted to unsee it and I kind of <laughs> wanted like avoid it every time. Okay. I watched Federal. Okay. It's when um JB Fox is getting carjacked and then the guy just goes back and goes, oh. Yeah. It, it's like he must be stopped. <laughs> like if somebody did that to me, I would not recover. <laughs> I don't want to be bobbed by somebody. <laughs> um, um okay. This was the first time I ever saw Javier Bardem in anything. It and he's incredible. Have been mine too yeah and he's like it helps to not know who he is because he seems yeah so scary you know yeah i love his delivery of that speech but i hate that speech because i'm just not a big fan of like the i'm gonna tell you a parable to teach you a lesson thing yes it's such a movie construct it's like something i've never heard in real life it's total screenwriter bullshit but yeah it's a good scene i mean because he's so good good in it yeah. It's like, yeah, it just shows how good the acting is that it like right. I am so over that writing. Um, I always will have a soft spot for this movie because summer 2004 was like a weird time for me because I had graduated from college that May. Okay. And then everything that I thought was going to happen after college didn't happen. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to have like a job immediately. And it took like several months because of the economy and me being stupid and not talented. Um, I thought thought that I was going to be marrying the girl that I was like dating in college. We broke up like very quickly after college ended. Um, so I was like just a mess. And one of the things that I did every Friday night was whatever new movie was out, me and my two friends, uh, from high school who I reconnected with, we would go to the movies and I have so many like great memories of that. And it helped me get through that summer. Um, so collateral, I remember was, was like the last one that we did this for. And this was like weeks of like, we're going to see the terminal. We're going to see Fahrenheit 9-11. We're going to see Spider-Man 2. We're going to see iRobot. We're going to see the village and Harold and Kumar. And then we saw collateral and I'm like, okay, next week guys, alien versus predator. And they're just like, we're moving on. And I'm like, no, this was our thing. This was the thing that got me through. You're (laughs) totally the Thomas Ian Nicholas to the next step and they're like sorry yeah we've moved on we're We're tara (laughs) reed um so i I said at the start of the show that i saw this movie on my honeymoon we saw a bunch of movies on our honeymoon because we went to orlando Mm -hmm. and we were we did a a while at 
Disney, and then we did a while at Universal Studios, and the City Walk was right there, and we were go- we kept going to the movies at City Walk. Um, so I'm going to name the movies that we saw on our honeymoon, and I want you to rank them, okay? Okay. The Village, Collateral, Little Black Book, The Manchurian Candidate, Catwoman. All right. Village, Collateral, Manchurian Candidate, Little Black Book, and Catwoman? Yeah. I haven't seen Little Black Book or Catwoman. Should I? I mean, Little Black Book is like generic fucking romantic comedy, but it's Brittany Murphy, and I have, okay. have a real soft spot for her. Yeah. Okay. Um, of the three that I've seen, I would put Manchurian Candidate, number three, The Village, number two, Collateral, number one. Sounds about right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to revisiting The Village. I haven't seen that in a long time. It's kind of good and then has some terrible things in it, like the yeah. whole Adrian Brody performance. That would be my memory of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a real Justin Bartha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This movie reminds me how happy I am that my club days are over. Okay. Seems like yeah. Seems yeah. like a lot of work. Yeah. It's I've never crowded. really been to a club, so I wouldn't know, but yeah, you didn't miss much. Um, <laughs> I like that the fourth witness in the club is like, should I just stay at the table? <laughs> like you kind of had chances to get out of there. Right. Right. Anyways, um, and then I like when the cab flips over and Cruz is just so mad that he just starts like kicking Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I think that's like a very naturalistic, real, yeah, touch. for it's, sure. Yeah, so it's good Love stuff. It. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, um, okay, I've got three better or worses. Oh my gosh, you. you're a hero! Yeah. All right. Did you have anything else to say about collateral before? I don't think so. I mean, it would be like my number, if it's not my number five, which right now is Manhunter of the, of the Michael Manns, it's my six, five and six could switch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super good. good. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Tom Noonan and Inagata DeVita and it makes me want to watch it again. Yeah. All right. Oh, I was going to ask you. um, All right. So we already covered Michael Manns, um, but I sent you a text if about your top three Jamie Foxx or top three Tom Cruise performances. Uh, Do you have anything off the top of your head? I mean, it's so hard with Tom Cruise. Uh, with Jamie Foxx, I mean, it would be this, probably Ray, and then Stealth. Uh, no, it would be this. <laughs> it would be this, Ray, any given Sunday. That's my top three, but I have it any given Sunday one, collateral two, Ray okay. three. Okay. I like him so much in any given Sunday that I bought a Willie Beeman jersey from the mall. <laughs> Which I respect, sir. Yes. I remember uh, wearing it in the elevator one time and this guy just like stared at me and I was like, I know. And then he just <laughs> and then he just goes, It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean Tom Cruise, it would be like Magnolia. Yep. Eyes wide shut. And I feel like that's even that's like I'm already fucking it up because they're from the same year. Um and then my three would be like all of Ethan Hunt. <laughs> okay. See, I had trouble with the third one because it could be Jerry Maguire, 
Love it could it. be Edge of Tomorrow. It could be Jack Reacher. I mean, like it could be Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. But the two for for me that I think he should have won Oscars for are Born on the Fourth of July and Magnolia. Yeah, I think he's perfect in both of those movies. Born on the Fourth of July was definitely in the running. Um, you and I were texting about that movie not too long ago because I rewatched it. And then I just heard it might have been the movies that made me with Daniel Waters. I don't know. Some podcast I was listening to just tore into that movie. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm wrong for liking it. No, I think it's really good. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I think Daniel Waters is very talented, but also very wrong. In this <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first better or worse is for better or worse than these other 2004 DreamWorks movies. Oh boy. Okay. Because I miss DreamWorks and I miss GameWorks and I miss the video store video works that used to be down <laughs> the street. Why do you close things that work? <laughs> I miss WeWork. What's WeWork? Oh my gosh. It was like a weird, uh, there was a whole documentary about it. This and a, and a show. Oh, with... WeWork. Yeah. We... Okay. WeWork. Gotcha. With Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. Hathaway works. Hathaway's good on that show. I don't get why they're re-releasing Les Mis. They are? Yeah, in Dolby. There's a trailer for it, like they're proud of it. I, I did not like it. that movie. <laughs> Do you not like it because it's fucking terrible? <laughs> I think that's why. Okay. Like, if memory serves, it's because it's a bad movie that no one should like. Just kidding. If you like it, it's fine. I like that every shot is faces as close as yours is to this Zoom camera right now. Someone somewhere wrote a great piece about like how wrong of a choice that was for that movie. How like Tom, what's his fucking name? Uh, the director who won an Oscar for the King's Speech. Oh, God. And directed Cats. Hooper? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Tom Hooper? Okay. Yeah. Um, like inherently doesn't understand how to shoot musicals, but yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. That. Collateral, better or worse? Okay. Win a date with Tad Hamilton. Better. Euro trip. <sighs> I'm so happy you're pausing. <laughs> Euro trip is amazing. It's so good. <laughs> It's like one of the 2K replays I'm looking forward to the most. I love Eurotrip. Um, shit. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to say that Eurotrip is a better version of what it's trying to be than collateral is of what it's trying to be. Do you know what I mean? Like Eurotrip yeah. isn't a better movie. That's a very Roger Ebert answer. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right. Uh collateral or envy. Envy. Oh, I saw Envy with the with the poo spray. Yeah. Oh collateral. Uh collateral or the Stepford Wives. Collateral. Collateral or the terminal. Collateral. Don't let Charlie or... hear me say that. What? Don't let Charlie hear me say that. Terminal is like in his top five. I like the Terminal, but He's it's so like... mad. I thought it was fine when I saw it. I haven't seen it yeah. since, and I keep telling him, like, I haven't seen it since 2004. He's so yeah. mad that I haven't done it as a smash cut. 
I want you to do the Smash Cut. He doesn't totally understand what Smash Cut is, but um, Terminal or the Terminal. All right, Collateral or Anchorman. Uh, Collateral. Collateral or Shark Tale. Never saw Shark Tale, but Collateral. Collateral or Surviving Christmas. Collateral. Collateral or Lemony Snicket. Collateral. Collateral or Meet the Fuckers. Collateral. Okay. All right. Collateral or these other 2000s Tom Cruise movies. Oh, this is this is going to be a lot tougher. DreamWorks, I didn't realize, made that many movies in 2004. That's wild. They were prolific in the yeah, early they 2000s. Sure were. They had that Mimi Leader Peacemaker heat. <laughs> um, that's my Peacemaker, not this John Cena bullshit. Tom DeVoe. <laughs> I don't know why, but of all random movie characters, I'll never forget Tom DeVoe. That's impressive because yeah. I've seen Peacemaker twice and I couldn't tell you his first or last name. Yeah, I wanted them to play uh, Did You Ever Know That You're My Hero, Wind Beneath My Wings as the end credit song, The Peacemaker. That would have been good. Um, I wanted them to play Poison by Tom Biv DeVoe. (laughs) Now you know. Uh, (laughs) Okay, Collateral or Mission Impossible 2? Collateral. Collateral or Vanilla Sky? Vanilla Sky. Collateral or Minority Report? Minority Report. Collateral or The Last Samurai? Collateral. Collateral or War of the Worlds? Collateral. Collateral or Mission Impossible 3? It's close. I really? really like, yeah, I really like Mission Impossible 3. I um, do too, but I used to think it was like one of the best, and then I rewatched it, and now I don't think it's one of the best. Okay, I'm going to say Collateral, but my memory is that Mission Impossible 3 is really good. It is really good. It made okay. Ethan Hunt a person. Yeah, right. It's got Michelle Monaghan, which makes every movie better except the family plan with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, all right, collateral <laughs> or Lions for Lambs? I know that's a tough one. <laughs> collateral. There's never been a Tom Cruise movie that exists less than Lions. Uh, I mean, there's a few that come close. Yeah. Like Rock of Ages. But uh, Lions for Lambs is definitely down there. Uh, collateral or Tropic Thunder? Collateral. Collateral or Valkyrie? I'm... I've still never seen Valkyrie. It might be the only Tom Cruise movie I've never seen. My memory is that it's good, but I can't ever watch it again because of Brian Singer. Understandable. Yeah. Okay. And then lastly, uh, better or worse than these other $100 million plus summer 2004 <laughs> grocers. I love this. Okay. Uh, collateral. Wait, or- I'm sorry. Real quick. Back up. Yeah. Which movies, which Tom Cruise movies would you put ahead of collateral? Because I had a couple. Like in my ranking? Like of the ones you just named, the Tom Cruise 2000s movies, are there any that you would put in front of Collateral? Mm, Vanilla Sky and maybe Minority Report. Okay, those are my two big ones, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. Definitely Vanilla Sky. um, Because I just really like that movie. But um, Because it's awesome and underrated. Yeah, Minority Report. I I would much rather rewatch Collateral than Minority Report, but I do think Minority Report's really good. It is so good. Yeah. Okay, Collateral or Shrek Two. <laughs> collateral. Collateral or Spider Man Two. Spider Man Two. 
Collateral or Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban? Mm, collateral. Uh, collateral or The Day After Tomorrow? Collateral. Collateral or The Born Supremacy? Collateral. Collateral or I, Robot? Collateral. Collateral or Troy? Some shitty movies made over $100 million. Yeah. Uh, collateral. It was a good summer, but just not like top heavy. It was right. weird. Yeah. Um, collateral or Van Helsing? <laughs> that made over a hundred million dollars. Barely, yeah. But yeah. Is that just because it was like first? I think so. Yeah. Okay, and people are just ready for summer to start. Um, collateral. Uh, collateral or Fahrenheit nine eleven? Does that movie exist outside of two thousand four? Like it does because I'm selling it. <laughs> oh, okay. At yeah. the time, I was very moved by it, and I remember the audience applauding when it was over, and I was like, fuck yeah, he's going down this time, and it didn't happen. Uh, I felt co- that way, too. I went opening night. We might have been in the same theater, and I, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> like, right? finally, telling the truth. Right. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy, were we naive. I yes, was so, we I was so, not to get political, but this is a funny story. I was so pro-Democrat. Yeah in 2004 especially um that i went to the regal theater by me to see going up river john Kerry's stories from vietnam shit i went i was one of the few in the theater for that i saw a john Kerry documentary not even about politics but about his days in vietnam Uh... i I don't remember if i got popcorn (laughs) i probably got a slurpee (laughs) Um, <laughs> I did get popcorn before another 2004 movie, The Passion of the Christ, and I was one of the few to walk in the theater with refreshments. That's and I hilarious. I have still never seen that movie. Yeah, I don't think now is the time to jump on the train. Uh, no, I wasn't going to, but I remember going to see so many movies around that time and seeing the lines for that movie, but being like, Sorry, one for Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, please. Yeah. Uh, a movie I did see in the theater instead of The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, I saw uh, a Broken Lizards Club Dread at a sneak preview at the Union. And then I went right to the theater to see Passion of the Christ after that. So that was Oof. my double header. And I remember after Passion of the Christ was over, I'm like, do you guys like good movies? Because you should see Broken Lizards Club Dread. <laughs> And then I was like, are you going to be praying long? Because I want to go to the bathroom. I got to get up. <laughs> um, it was an interesting experience. Um, yeah. Second best religious movie I've seen in a theater after All Saints with John Corbett. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, <laughs> collateral, better or worse than Dodgeball? Better. Uh, collateral, better or worse than The Village? Better, but flawed in similar ways like their flaws aren't similar but it's like 75% a great movie and 25% like flaws what's better if Vincent was in the village or Adrian Brody from the village was in collateral much better if he's Vincent in collateral yeah okay going to the Baywatch I like it I like it yeah oh do you want to hear what the critics had to say of course I do. Okay. Do they call it earthy? <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> uh, 
what Patrick is referring to. This is this is great. A great new theme for 2024. <laughs> I'm going to explain. Um, I was looking at the newspaper ads for White Palace when I was watching it, and more than one critic described um, like the earthiness of Susan Sarandon. <laughs> Um, okay, so Entertainment Weekly said... Wait, I, I need to give you fucking credit for the joke. Like, if Susan Sarandon is earthy, call me Captain Planet. <laughs> Which is an amazing joke that deserves uh, to be recognized you. on the podcast. Thank you. Also should be recognized on the podcast. Right before we started recording, I bought the eight-movie Bruce Willis collection for $18.01 on Amazon. Wow, what's uh, what's on it? Uh, sunset. Interesting the way to lead off, but okay. <laughs> yeah, Sunset, Hudson Hawk, The Whole Nine Yards, uh, Mortal Thoughts, Perfect Stranger, The Jackal, Mercury Rising, and Alpha Dog. Jeez, this is an insane collection of movies, and they're all from different studios. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around it, but there's some good movies and some less good movies in there. I wanted to rewatch The Jackal, and... Uh, I get that itch, like, every three years, by the way. Okay, okay, yeah. It's I, not uh, good, but every three years or so, I'm like, I need to revisit The Jackal. Totally, yeah, you're like, today is the day of The Jackal. <laughs> because I, I, I saw it, like, the same day as The Rainmaker and maybe one other movie, and I have such fond memories of that day that I think I'm trying to recapture that feeling, but, like... The yeah. jackal had nothing to do with it. Uh, Rob and I are going to do our next like sneak preview and stay for this movie double yeah. feature episode on the Rainmaker and Kiss the Girls. I That's like a good day of those of movies. movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so critics had to say about Collateral. Yeah, the number one way to keep cool in August. <laughs> um, Okay. These people got paid to do a job. Um, I like also in the newspaper ad that it says digital projection at these theaters, and it's like two theaters, and then the rest are like oh there's gosh. 50 theaters that do not have digital projection. Um, we didn't okay. know what we had. No, we didn't. Um, the summer's biggest adrenaline rush, mm -hmm. which I think applies to some movie every year. Um, dazzling. Man hits a new peak, orchestrating action, atmosphere, and bruising humor. That's what I collateral is known for. It's humor. Bruising humor. Yeah. Um, and then, how good is Cruz's performance? You can't take your eyes off of him. This movie is a killer of a ride. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I don't like how he teased it up with the question. You could have just said you can't take your eyes off of Cruz. <laughs> Like I fucking resist the urge sometimes when I'm like tweeting out Rob's reviews. Like uh, yesterday, he reviewed a movie called The Teacher's Lounge. I read it. It's a good uh, review. It is a great review, but I have to like resist the urge to write corny shit. Like Rob gives an A plus to The Teacher's Lounge. Uh, and I just love that these critics are like, fuck no, I'm leaning into it. Yeah, totally. It's all good I've stuff. got. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks well, for talking collateral with me, bud. Absolutely, my man. You know, it's exciting. We're mid-January now, which means we're only a few weeks away from what? F This Movie Fest. What's going to be even before F This Movie Fest? The February Sci-Fi Fantasy Fuck-Up episode? That's exactly right, sir. 
Um, I have three ideas for the show now. Okay. So we we could do we 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 keep bat, uh, batting around Judge Dredd and Tank Girl. Yeah. But we also keep meaning to do a show on Alien Resurrection, and I think that would also apply. Oh man, I almost feel like Alien Resurrection. I hate to say it, like it's too good. It's too good. Like it works outside of the confines of this very narrow. Uh, but I, I also kind of like Tank Girl and Judge Dredd. So I don't mean to say that we're only doing movies I don't like. I need to do a show about Judge Dredd before I expire at some point. Okay. Um, but I've never seen Tank Girl, and once I realize that we've done like a three or four year run of one Ice T movie a year. I, I don't want to miss this. So like, <laughs> I think we should just do tank girl. Okay. Well, if you guys feel strongly, let us know in the comments. Um, yeah. We will definitely get to alien resurrection this year. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know about judge dread. Maybe we'll save it for next year's February fantasy sci-fi fuck up. But uh, if you really are like dying to hear a judge dread episode over a tank girl show, let us know in the comments. Otherwise it's going to be tank girl. And that's on all of you. If you all comment and say, give us the Judge Dredd episode, I will go on eBay and buy the Judge Dredd bathrobe and hat set <laughs> and wear it to the show. Now I want everyone to vote for Judge Dredd. <laughs> I bid on a, the Crypt Keeper doll, the Hawaiian Crypt Keeper doll, and I lost it by a dollar. That's such bullshit. I'm sorry. The guy, the guy came in at the last second with one dollar more on you the got board. sniped by wesley snipes i assume i did i did get sniped that dude's famous for last minute ebay bids yeah <laughs> am i my brother's keeper thank the you everyone for listening to the show go to fthismovie.com every day for more cool movie shit follow us on twitter at fthismovie uh we're on facebook we're on instagram youtube.com slash fthismovie for reserved seating with Adam and Rob every Thursday, email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fthismovie. We're doing a new thing this year. We're doing all 1999 movies to celebrate the 25th anniversary of one of the best movie years of all time. If you are a Patreon member and have not yet voted or you're interested in Becoming a Patreon member and want to vote for which movies you want us to cover, do that now. We'll close the uh, results fairly soon, and those will be the 12 movies that we cover this year. So I'm excited to do that, and Adam, I will send you the results when they are finalized so you can tell me which shows you want to do. When's the poll end? I don't know, a couple days probably. couple days? Eh. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If this if collateral came on 2024, Tom Cruise, after he gets shot and he's dying on the MTA, he would have been like, quick, Max, bring up my phone, bring up the app on my phone so I can buy a ticket. So when the guy walks around, he can see that I bought the ticket. I don't know. You can cut that out.
Thanks for listening to FS Movie.